Hello, everybody, and welcome, welcome, welcome to the Health and Sports Show. My name is Tom Butterfield, and yes, we are back. I'm back as your host uh, for part two of this little microbiome series. Uh, are sequels better than the original? I don't know. I like Rocky 2 more than I like Rocky 1, <laughs> if that helps to settle it. But Rocky 4 was the best with even Drago, wasn't it? But uh, uh, there's got to be some Rocky fans out there, surely. Uh, so which one was your favourite? And if anyone says Rocky 5, just, just get out. <laughs> just leave immediately. But uh, anyway, <laughs> without wasting any more time, today we're going to look at what causes disruption in the microbiome and what decreases our gut health. Well, there's quite a few things. The main one seems to be poor diet, which hurts us in two ways. First, it means we're not taking in the necessary vitamins and minerals, or, or micronutrients as they're called, that we need to keep our body in good condition. And secondly, these foods actually harm the microbiome and the structures of the gut, resulting in a decreased ability to absorb these nutrients when they actually are taken in. So here are some habits that will have a negative impact on our microbiome. Processed foods. We've already covered it a little bit, but this type of foods have low levels of nutrients due to their manufacturing process that they've gone through. They're calorie rich and nutrient poor. Some of the additives, chemicals, etc., can cause direct damage to the gut and the microbiome. Therefore, it just makes it more difficult to absorb those nutrients when uh, they do become available. In particular, we can talk about emulsifying agents. Now, these are in nearly everything. Uh, you can look for these on the ingredients of the foods that you eat. There's three main ones that we could look out for, and these are polysorbate 80. And I actually saw this on some red food coloring the other day. Um, back on the shelf for you, <laughs> not taking you home. Uh, carboxymethylcellulose is another, and also carrageenan. These dissolve the mucus barrier that provides a protective layer to the surface layer of the gut tissues. These structures absorb nutrients from our food, and also many of the bacteria, microbes, and cells that make up our microbiome actually house themselves within this mucus barrier. Therefore, by dissolving it, it not only uh, renders portions of our microbiome now homeless, but it also leaves our gut open to damage causing uh, inflammation as well. And if this happens over a long period of time, this can potentially lead to gastrointestinal issues, such as a leaky gut syndrome, for example. And next we have synthetic sweeteners. These are also a problem. Examples of these are aspartame, which is in nearly everything, uh, acesulfane, neosulfane, saccharin, and last but not least, another example could be something like sucralase. Um, and of course, there's many, many others, unfortunately. Now, research has shown that these substances cause very specific changes in our microbiome that actually correspond with the microbiome that we'd expect to see in an obese type 2 diabetic. So if you want that for your future, then by all means, 
keep plowing through uh, foods that are containing these types of ingredients. We also have PPIs as medications, statins, H2 blockers and NSAIDs. All of these medications have a negative effect on the balance of the microbiome. Drug companies are not currently required to disclose what effect their medications have on the microbiome. So uh, therefore, these are just the medications that we currently know about. Um, there's bound to be a hell of a lot more that we'll discover over time. Other medications are antibiotics. Now, the definition of an antibiotic is a medicine that inhibits growth or destroys microorganisms. Notice how it doesn't say bad microorganisms. It just says microorganisms. Sure, they get rid of the bacteria or microbe causing us to be sick, which is great. I'm not doubting that. But on the flip side, they do inhibit the growth um, or destroy both good and bad bacteria. So this wipes our microbiome completely clean and leaves it totally exposed for overgrowth of uh, whatever species of microbiota gets there first. So it's kind of like a, um, you know, a dash, for the, dash for the finish line. But fingers crossed, uh, we end up being uh, infested with the one we want. Um, but a study was carried out on the desert rat that's able to eat something called the creosote bush, which is highly poisonous to almost everything except for this specific species of rat. But after one course of antibiotics, the rats could no longer eat the creosote bush because it poisoned them. It turns out that it was a specific microbe in their gut that was able to break down the poisons, metabolizing uh, those poisons for it to be safely digested, much like a baby needing Infantis to break down the human milk allogosaccharides. I didn't say that right, <laughs> but it was in part one of the episode anyway, so go back and have a look if you haven't seen it. We also have herbicides and pesticides, uh, specifically glyphosphates. Now, this is in the infamous Roundup fertilizer. Interestingly, uh, and slightly worryingly, glyphosphate is also registered as an antibiotic because it kills microorganisms. Remember our definition from earlier? The problem is that this <laughs> kills and specifically seems to pick out the good bacteria from our gut and is ineffective against the bad ones that we want to get rid of. So <laughs> it would really be the worst kind of antibiotic as far as our health was concerned. Fortunately, <laughs> it was never taken to market. But the bad news is that there's so much glyphosate in our environment that undoubtedly we all have it inside our bodies right now. We breathe it in, we drink it and we eat it without even knowing. It's just within our ecosystem massively now. So, yeah, that's, uh, that's not great, is it? Another is chlorinated water, and this causes disruption to the mucous membrane uh, just like the emulsifying agents we covered earlier. Next is C-sections. Uh, did you know that when we're born, I believe we talked about it earlier, we pass through the birth canal and we're covered in the microbiome belonging to our mother? This is great as it lets her microbiome populate our body before we're exposed to any harmful bacteria. 
C-section babies obviously don't get this advantage, but there is another way, as we discussed earlier, of getting mum's microbiome. And it relates to our next point. And that next point is related to formula feeding. Processed formula contains uh, macronutrients, which are carbohydrates, proteins, and fats. And it's fortified with some vitamins and minerals and all that sort of stuff. But it gives you, well, it gives the baby almost exactly zero good bacteria to populate your microbiome. So breastfeeding uh, is great for that. But I know that not every mother is able to breastfeed. So if you do have a C-section and you're not able to breastfeed, then it's not all lost because you can pass your microbiome through skin to skin contact. So you get to do the fun bit, you get to do the cuddles, which is great. <laughs> Another negative is our aseptic society. Uh, have you ever heard someone say something similar to, uh, when I was a kid, I used to eat mud pies and used to swim in the river. Uh, but anyone who knows me knows that I would never have eaten a mud pie when I was a kid. I certainly would meet one now, uh, but I am down for a little bit of uh, puddle jumping if, if that counts. But the constant cleaning, hand washing and super, super sterile environments can actually work against us in the long term. And there's research being taken at the moment, which is looking to find whether there are in fact links to us being uh, I suppose in, in air quotes, clean freaks, and the incidence of autism and ADHD, which is really, really interesting. And of course, we talked about it before, stress. It's not good for us generally. And research shows that um, it's got a negative effect on our microbiome as much as uh, it does on our body. When microbes in the GI tract die, some of them eventually make their way into the bloodstream and cause a level of what we call endotoxemia. Now, I assume, and I am assuming, that the higher the number of dead microbes in the blood, the higher the level of endotoxemia would be. Now, if this toxicity remains at a very high level or a high level for an extended period of time, it's thought to increase the risk to the person of developing conditions such as uh, rosacea, which is a reddening of the skin, Alzheimer's, Parkinson's, rheumatoid arthritis, coronary heart disease, and atrial fibrillation. And of course, we mustn't forget that when we're trying to fix things, there's always certain fads that catch on. So some of these are, well, one of them is interesting than the other. Um, it's usually due to some celebrity endorsing it in an interview and saying it's the secret to their uh, looks or life or whatever. And then trendy health clubs start to offer it at high uh, prices. <laughs> but here's a couple of them that uh, can have a detrimental effect on our microbiome. Now, I'm not saying they don't have any benefits at all, but certainly they can have a detrimental effect on the microbiome. So the first is enema kits. So not only can they potentially damage the gut structures if done wrong, but they can also wash away the mucus layer of protection, which... Uh, not only protects your gut lining, but also houses some microbiome bacteria. The second is fecal microbial transplant. Now, this one I'd never heard of 
thankfully. <laughs> what you do or don't is you get excrement sent to you. Yes, you get poop in the mail <laughs> that uh, says it contains certain microbes uh, that you felt that you were lacking. So you sent off for these. You then unpackage this poo and you, of course, stick it in a blender. <laughs> yeah. Um, are you thinking what I'm thinking? Yeah, I'm never, ever buying a secondhand blender. <laughs> that is for sure after knowing this. But once you've blended it, you then transplant it into your own colon. I assume there's a kit to go with this. Um, now, I have a few issues with this. <laughs> Apart from the whole blender thing, um, number one, it just sounds, <laughs> it just sounds super gross. Two, there's an obvious risk of infection here. <laughs> by putting a substance that isn't yours into your own body? And three, how do you know if they're sending you the right microbes, cells, and bacteria? But thanks for listening. Um, we hope you enjoyed the show as much as we did making it. Keep those reviews coming as it does make a huge difference to helping us to get the word out about the podcast. And of course, the more reach we can have, the more people we can help, which is really what we're trying to do here. Give it the stars that you think it deserves and write some feedback down. Doesn't have to be long, you know, just a sentence or two would be great because it massively helps us to get ideas to improve the show. Our social media links are in the show notes as ever. And feel free to contact us if you do have any questions or any suggestions about future content. But uh, thanks again. And we'll see you all in the next episode. See you later.